This talk was given at Insight Meditation South Bay. For more information and a schedule of our events, visit the Insight Meditation South Bay website at www.imsb.org. For information about online programs, visit the Bodhi Courses website at www.bodhicourses.org. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. Mm, so we're, uh, we're in this series, it's just started actually, on the, what's called the parami. And I know that's, uh, you may not know that word, and it's not necessary that you do, but I always, I like to include the Pali words. And it means, it actually literally means um, crossing over to the far shore, something like that. But we translate it often as perfection of character, and you can figure out whether or not that sounds like an equivalent <laughs> definition. Um, but essentially, these are qualities of the heart, qualities of character that we develop through spiritual practice, and that they're very important in our kind of broadening and cultivation as, uh, as people on the path to waking up, essentially. And it's said that the Buddha himself spent a great many lifetimes developing the parami and opening his heart and really strengthening his uh, his mind in order to prepare him for being able to, to become awake. But even if we're only practicing in this one lifetime, any of the amount you know, that we can develop, any of these qualities, is so beneficial, not only for ourselves, but for others. To me, each parami represents a great strength of heart, in a sense. It's a quality that makes our heart, um, yeah, strong. That's the best word that comes to mind. Not in the sense of power and manipulation and so forth, but in the sense of a steadiness and a greatness and a largeness of heart. The capability of standing against the forces of the mind and the forces of the world that would lead toward distress and harm. You know, we make ourselves a stronger container for all of that. So has anybody had any, um, you know, aversive feelings this week at all? <laughs> yeah. So um, no matter where, I, that's a safe question because everybody has them every day. <laughs> okay, I'm not implying um, any, anything in particular, although there may be, th- you know, there may be some real pain that we're working with this week. And I'm so delighted that somehow, fortuitously, this is the topic for us to look at tonight. And it's really, really valuable. Um, I very rarely do much with politics and Dharma talks. Truthfully, I don't understand like large-scale politics that well. Um, But I came across a nice summary, uh, kind of a summing up um, of maybe the political situation. And it's actually by a center-right pundit who said, the great political struggle is no longer between right and left, conservative and liberal, 
but between being closed and being open on several key fronts. I thought that was somewhat thoughtful. Um, and this, I want to, so I want to pick up this theme of having a dimension in our life or paying attention to the quality of being closed or being open and what that, how that plays out for us in our life. Because this is very much about, about what metta is, the opening of the heart. Now I want to be careful because when I set up a dimension like that, um, it makes it sound like, oh, open is good and closed is bad. <laughs> and we're always trying to open. Anytime it's closed, we need to change. Um, that's the kind of thinking, actually, that is not the kind of thinking that metta encourages. Metta is about reducing boundaries, um, reducing polarities, unifying, um, not making others. And so, but nonetheless, there is this, this dimension of being closed and being open, and that applies to our heart in particular. And we can look at how our heart is. My experience of the heart is that it opens and closes something like a flower, you know, in the light or the darkness or... um, But practice, with practice, we can allow the heart to become more attuned to internal dynamics and less to whether it's light or dark outside and more about what we have going on inside. So metta is largely about opening the heart and expanding the heart. I've used this word metta several times. I'll back up and say that uh, the English word for that is often translated as loving kindness. Um, You know, the quality of open-heartedness, but I, another translation that I like is goodwill, so just a sense of friendliness, that's another translation, friendliness, and, um, and we can feel this in other people, you know, when there are times when we meet someone who's just open and welcoming, and it's easy to talk with them in a natural, authentic way, and this is uh, something like a manifestation of, of metta, And there are times when we feel that also and we are interacting in that way and times when we're not and we don't. And the practice of metta is to understand that dynamic and to aim to grow the situations in our life where the heart can be open and respond freely. Which may or may not look like niceness or... Uh, something stereotypical. Um, Yeah, metta can look many different ways. I've touched on several different areas. This is all an introduction into the things that I I hope will be developed as we're talking about this. So as I thought about, you know, how can we approach the opening of the heart, especially when some of us may be feeling closed and when we're, um, yeah, not so sure about the future, you know, feels a little vulnerable. I thought, well, 
we might think about three different domains or I don't want to say levels, but yeah, domains of loving kindness that where we develop it and where we practice it and where it's relevant for us. And I have to list them in some order while I'm talking, but I don't mean to imply that this is the order that they develop or that the first one's the simple one and then... Um, we'll see. That's just... And this is not a canonical list. This is, um, uh, this is the way I, I think I wanted to present it tonight. So the first, um, the first domain I want to talk about is the interpersonal domain. You know, the domain of relationship. Ourselves with other people in our lives. Um, people that we know really well, like our family and our friends and people we know a little bit less well, like maybe our co-workers, our neighbors. You know, out to people we don't know that well, but see and... And then people, you know, who we haven't even met maybe, but um, we have some interaction with, some feelings about, some awareness of. And here, you know, we have very, there are many teachings about this in the, that the Buddha offered. Maybe the one that came to mind first is, hatred never ended through hatred, through love alone does it end. This is from the Dhammapada. And it encourages us to remember that even though it's very natural to feel like, well, if they're going to be closed, I'm going to be closed. And if they're going to be that way, I'm going to respond back. Or if if I feel hurt, then, uh, you know, I'm going to find a way to hurt them or I'm going to close down and be passive aggressive or something. Very, This is a natural response because we tend actually just to mirror what we receive. It's very normal. They've even found these things called mirror neurons that um, represent emotional attunement with other people. And so, it, of course, the, the mirror neurons are very nice when it's the connection between a mother and a newborn baby, you know, learning to attune and connect or between two people who are partners or lovers um, or between, you know, a, a caregiver and someone who's ill. But the mere neurons work also in that if somebody is angry or depressed, we can pick that up a little bit from them. And... This is just the nature of this attunement that we have. And so, you know, it's not about saying, well, I'm going to not ever be influenced by anything around me. I'm going to just close off and, you know, not take all that in because I know that's a real temptation right now. I'm not going to turn it on. I'm not going to watch. And that's fine um, in the, you know, in the immediate term. But the practice of metta uh, encourages us to, in an interpersonal way, actually meet whatever is there. And remember I said these are strong qualities, so have some strength of heart that we have room. Even if we're absorbing some anger, some depression, some fear from someone else, we have enough capacity in the heart to also have a response that is one of goodwill or kindness or friendliness in some way. And we, we I think we know this from experience, is that there have been the times when um, 
whatever came in just overwhelmed all of our circuits and we responded in the same way back. Um, And then there were other times, conditions were different somehow, when what happened, and we we were sort of amazed looking back, I didn't bite on that. I didn't, you know, I was able to just, you know, let it pass. Or even smile and say, okay, I understand that you're feeling that way right now. So this is this quality of metta, this this opening and closing of the heart, like the flower. <laughs> um, and so we want to maybe pay attention to that and think about, oh, what could I do that the um, that the heart has that has that strength more often. People may naturally ask when I speak in this way about interpersonal relationships, well, do I have to be open all the time? Do I I just throw myself open into the world? I don't think so. Uh, I think it's nice that we can have a heart as open as possible, but there are times when what's happening really is overwhelming to us or or it's not safe in some way. And then... um, you know, then it's okay. Then it's maybe part of kindness to have something of a boundary there. Mindfulness is the guard for knowing what the right response is, but the encouragement of metta is not to lose the intention and the the sense of having goodwill for the person. There's a saying, you know, people say, well, what about someone who's genuinely really difficult for us and really makes it hard for us? Do I still have to let them in? Um, You can say, well, you may never let somebody into your home again as long as you don't close them out of your heart. So this is the differentiation, is that we have the option to to say in a a physical sense, no, you know, this is not... you know, this is, you can't come any closer than this or you can't do this in a certain way. But we do it with a heart that still feels a sense of, and I wish things would be well for you. Um, I wish that there would be some ease in your life because surely then you know, people wouldn't behave necessarily that way. Although we have to be careful not to put in the little hook, because then you'd treat me a lot better. <laughs> There's, you know, you can feel these differences, right? So, um, so there are practices in the interpersonal realm that are related to loving kindness. Um, some of you may be familiar with them, but in case not, I'll I'll, ju- I'll just give an overview. And it's always nice to hear again. Is that we start actually with what I did at the end of the meditation of feeling into our heart, of maybe breathing into the heart space, and then feeling it into our genuine wish of, of love for ourselves. I know we don't always feel that, even for ourselves, but often, at least after a period of meditation, people can feel some sense of goodwill, some sense of, yes, it was good that I came and did this meditation, and I can wish myself well. Even that little tiny thread, we can we can hold on to and start to develop the strength of the heart. And it's fine. We begin with ourselves, with metta. May I be well. May I be happy. We may literally say these phrases while we're sitting in meditation, or we can say them in our mind during the day. You can even go in the bathroom, and you know, most people won't object if you say, I need to go in the bathroom. And you just go in and you can um, bring to mind an image of yourself or 
something, yeah, some sense of yourself, a felt sense, and that feeling in the heart, and then we generate in ourselves that that wish, may I be well. And this very simple practice uh, helps to strengthen the quality of metta, of goodwill, of friendliness, in a very small, simple space. It's not meant to be a hard practice, actually, even though I know it, that we don't always feel it. Um, and then for those who have taken this on as a formal practice, there are um, ways of extending that. So we might think also of a benefactor, somebody who, we don't have a complex relationship with them, but it's somebody who has done well for us, you know, someone who helped us, someone who we uh, consider to be a teacher, a mentor, a guide, a supporter, um, could be the author of the book that turned you on to meditation, whatever it is. You don't have to know them personally. But someone that we consider, they've really brought benefit to me. The idea is that it's then easy to feel goodwill for this person. Oh yeah, may they be happy. May you be happy. Imagine them, feel the feeling in your heart, and say these phrases. And then... We would include other spheres of people, usually through specific people. It's actually helpful to think of one benefactor. And if you can't decide, you can do another one also. Um, But it's actually okay to do one and just consider that it represents all of them. I've gotten, sometimes I've, I've done the thing where I was trying to think of a benefactor and then I didn't, I wanted to be fair, so I had to like include everybody. And then it got harder when I got to friends because I had to really, it's like, and then I, then I understood, oh, you just choose one and it represents all of them. <laughs> They're all in there. <laughs> so oh, that's a nice way to do it. And we start to, through, you know, why do this? Well, f- first of all, it's to generate this strength of heart. But what else happens? Uh, one thing that happens is we start to get familiar in our body with what the feeling of metta is like. Because there is actually a bodily feeling associated with it, just like there are bodily feelings associated with anger or fear or joy. Um, there's one associated with goodwill and loving kindness. And, you know, it may be slightly different for different people, but it's there. And actually our ability to feel this is really helpful because then we can, uh, we have one more way to connect to it, essentially. Now, there are people in the world who um, we don't feel this for very easily. And, you know, I know that may be very much on people's minds. And this would be called the difficult person <laughs> or the person with whom we have difficulty, something like that, um, in metta practice. And, you know, some of us have, of course, people close to us where this is, it's a difficult relationship. And then, you know, we also think of wider things happening in the world where we're upset about people. Um, And this is an area that really, really stretches in some ways our, um, our metta practice. And so I want to, you know, I want to say that the point is not that you sort of force yourself into it and say, well, I'm, supposed to be able to feel goodwill for everyone as a good Buddhist, you know. This is not goodwill towards yourself (laughs) to make your, to tell yourself you need to feel a certain way. 
Has that ever worked? Have you ever been able to tell yourself to feel a certain way? Maybe sometimes we could, I don't know what, but... um, So I feel like with metta, um, especially if it's a difficult time, is to focus on the areas where it's more doable and build up that strength, you know, like using the small weights so that we'll be able to lift heavier weights, essentially. And then, you know, maybe for a short time, though, given the reality of where we are this week in this life, (laughs) um, being willing to push yourself a little bit, like opening, what would it be like to bring in somebody that I'm really not comfortable with? As an, with an, as an observational stance, you know, what happens? And you might watch your heart close. You might be able to see that, like a flower closing when the shadow passes over. Very natural process. What does that process look like? Could we get curious instead of getting sucked into the negative feeling or getting sucked into a judgment that we ought to, um, you know, ought to be feeling something different or... You know, something. Um, what if the experience of how the heart feels and how that body sensation shifts, if it does, um, what if that became the object of our meditation? So this is just a suggestion for how to work with um, goodwill in times when, of difficulty. Okay, so... I want to move on to, remember I said there were sort of three different realms. There's this interpersonal realm, and that's often where we start. I said there wasn't an order to these, but this is an accessible one because we all have relationships, and um, some of which are easier than others. And then there's another, another interesting realm, though, for applying goodwill, which is actually the internal realm, the, um, the, the, all aspects of ourselves, basically. So there's a lovely line in the um, Metta Sutta. There's a, a discourse, a teaching from the Buddha about this quality. And one line says, not despising any being in any state. And, you know, we might think of this as external beings. You know, they're beings that are in abject poverty and beings who are very rich and beings who are friendly and not. And it does mean all of that. But I like to interpret that to also mean I'm a being and I have many different states. You know, I have states where I'm very open and flowing and I have states where I'm feeling reactive. And I I shouldn't despise any of those states in myself either. How often do we use our practice as kind of a bludgeon of, I should be doing this differently, I should be feeling differently if I were a spiritual person. Um, That's not really goodwill. (laughs) You know, yes, we are aiming to, of course, develop ourselves as people, and, um, but we have to be so careful with how we treat the process of that, how kind we are with our own unfolding, with our own development. So a very significant realm for metta, which people often discover after they start doing it interpersonally, is that it needs to actually come farther in. 
You know, sometimes people think, okay, I'm going to start with metta and I'm going to go farther and farther out. You know, it's like, all right, I got myself. Now I'm going to, you know, got my partner. I'm going to try to include all the political figures in this country. It's, it's got to go out to all beings. That'll be the goal. And that is part of, you know, that is actually the aim, is to break down all the boundaries to have um, unrestricted love in all directions. But what I'm going to suggest in this talk is that the the direction that we point to do that is not outward, but inward. You want to go to infinity with metta, go in. And so this second realm starts to take us in that direction. And so this is having metta for all aspects of this being, of ourself. This comes out naturally in metta pract- in interrelational metta practice, actually, because what it's a—I didn't tell you this at the beginning. They don't tell you this when you start, but metta is a purification practice. <laughs> and if you start doing it, what happens is we find all the—we run into all the places where we don't have metta, and first we think, "Oh, it's not working." <laughs> you know, all I'm finding is. Um, or even places where we had it the first time we did it, the next time we go back, um, we feel this anger toward a friend. It's like, where is that coming from? That's terrible. Forget that that's terrible. <laughs> and say, oh, there's something there that is not processed yet. And the metta is starting to bring up stuff to the surface. And what do we do with that? Guess what? We meet it with metta. <laughs> so we can use metta itself to deepen our experience of metta when the purification starts to happen, when our stuff starts uh, coming up in our heart. You can also use mindfulness. That was why I mentioned this idea of observing what it feels like for the heart to close. As the purification of goodwill practice starts to happen, the two tools are ramp up the goodwill pointed toward yourself and use mindfulness. Actually, um, go go to an observational practice to not get caught up in what's happening. So, you know, how does one start to work with the um, purification of the heart and making sure that all aspects of our wonderfully, beautifully complex being are loved and appreciated. Um, We could use the traditional methods, but I want to offer something that I've used for myself um, that I call five principles of inner safety. And these are essentially meta qualities, although they point toward wisdom also. But I've used, they, um, they came to me on a long retreat I was doing, and, and they felt so important that I wrote them down. And I've, I've used them for a while since then. So I, I think this is, um, I think these are, these are how I offer them in case they're helpful for you too. So the five principles of inner safety. So the first two are related. The first, they are, it is okay for anything to arise and it is okay for anything to cease, to end, to stop. So it's okay for anything to come, it's okay for anything to go. These are actually incredibly powerful. I mean, if we could actually practice that, we would be very, very close to being free. Um, but it's like one way that these can be used is just to invoke them at the beginning of a sitting. You know, you sit down and just remind myself, it's okay for anything to arise, it's okay for anything to cease. And there are things that we don't want to arise, actually. 
We really wish that we wouldn't have anger arise. We really wish that all that agitation and wouldn't be there. But remember, we promised it's okay for that to arise. And there are things that we don't want to cease. You know, we have a moment of peace, finally, or um, some calmness or some joy bubbling up. And we don't want it to cease. (laughs) Don't stop. (laughs) But it will. And it's okay if it does. And so, you know, this is a little bit like having a certain amount of metta and then opening to one of those people that we're a little bit difficult with and it's okay if the metta starts to cease. Let's watch that process. And so this is a really deep commitment that if it's okay for anything to arise or cease, uh, I don't know that we can do it exactly, but we can set it as a intention at the beginning. And it creates inner safety because, um, how shall I say, our mind has a lot of different, I'm making a model. Let's imagine that our mind has a lot of different beings in it, like creatures in the forest. <laughs> and um, they might come to the watering hole. And if if we're making a lot of noise or we're like insulting how the beings look when they come to the watering hole, they're not going to show up, <laughs> you know. So we want our mind to be a place where all the little beings, all the creatures, all the dimensions of our mind can show up. And so uh, we make our mind safe by saying it's okay for anything to come. Um, and then the the third, fourth, and fifth um, principles of inner safety are addressed specifically to the the shy mind states that don't come as easily. And um, the first one, I'll just report them as they came to me. Uh, The first one is, you will not be made to speak. And that means essentially that when things show up, we're not demanding things of them. You know, some shy little quiet mind state comes. We don't say, let me unpack that. Is that about my mother? Where did that come from? Who are you? You know, and it's, you know, we may not literally use words like that, but sometimes meditators can be kind of like leaping on things. And this is just saying it's okay to come and just like be at the watering hole and um, I'm not going to poke at you, essentially. I'm just going to let you, if you're very shy, I'm just going to let you be as you are. And then... Um, The fourth one I think you'll get right away, which is you will not be dismissed or mocked. We do this so much, you know, with our, with the things that come in our mind, especially things that we think shouldn't have arisen, according to number one. So something comes that isn't so pretty, you know, we realize, oh my gosh, I'm actually really jealous of my partner's success, something like that. And we don't want to have that feeling. That's not, that's not nice, <laughs> and it's not, we know it won't be good for the relationship um, if we let that develop, and so the tendency can be, I don't want to feel that, um, or, or something, or some, some totally wacky thing will come, like, you know, it'd be really cool to um, take a leave of absence from my job next year and do the three-month retreat at IMS, and we just like, Oh, that's ridiculous, <laughs> and dismiss it. Well, that might that, you, you may not literally be able to do that, but that thought might have been expressing something in your heart that's kind of shy, actually. I would really like to devote myself a lot more to practice. And it came in the form of this thought, but it was such a ridiculous, ludicrous thought for where we are, we just, psh, 
what did we lose? And so honoring the stuff that comes, um, or at least not dismissing or mocking it, you know, just letting it be as it is. We may not act on it, um, but it's interesting. And truthfully, some of the stuff that arises in my mind, I think it's just totally random. I mean, it's not literally random. Everything has a conditions for it to arise. But who knows where some of that stuff comes from? And so, you know, it's nice just to let it uh, let it be there and not have a judgment about it. And then the fifth principle of inner safety is um, you will not be made into something you're not, <laughs> which is what we often do with these things. You know, something comes up in our mind, uh, especially something they haven't really thought before. And then we make it into a big thing. Like um, the most often th- common thing that we make things in the mind into is uh, an identity. <laughs> and so you know, it's like, oh, I had a thought about being jealous of my partner. I'm a terrible, envious, evil person. You know, that's a kalesa that needs to be let go of. That's the cause of suffering. Um but actually, it was just a thought. <laughs> it was a thought. And if we had let it arise and cease, it would have been gone. It's not about us, necessarily. So, I hope these give a flavor of some ways that we can become friendly with all the thoughts that go on in us. This is essentially a practice of openness to ourselves, to our own heart. And this is practice, this towards the perfection of metta, towards the parami, because we're um, broadening and widening and strengthening what we're comfortable being with. When you start, if you start doing these five principles of inner safety and trying to create an environment in the mind where anything can come, what you'll run into is the, the ways in which we've decided what our experience ought to be, which is the creation of all kinds of boundaries. And we start to feel really limited oh my gosh, what am I not bringing in? What am I not experiencing? What am I not even allowing myself to think? And metta has the aspect of allowing everything. It doesn't mean that we condone everything. It doesn't mean that we act on everything. But um, this openness, because we see what the reverse is, you know, sorry to bring the politics back up, but, um, you know, you can hear what it feels like when someone is declaring what is not allowed, what is going to be closed, what is going to be cut off, what we're going to put a wall up to prevent, things like that. We don't want to be doing that inside. And with enough strength, we can have that openness, but, um, you know, but still be able to uphold our integrity, still not be reactive. It's a process but we'll find where those walls are. These are practices that help us to see limitations and and open beyond them. A person who could feel all of these five things for all of their mind states would be so comfortable with themselves and would be able to, and would be okay with themselves. And I, I like this in particular because the very first time I went to a meditation group, uh, many years ago, I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd been sitting on my own for a little while and then I realized other people might do it too. Um, What I noticed about the people at this group was that they all seemed very comfortable with themselves. Like that was what struck me. I mean, I'm sure there were a million other things that they were displaying, but that was what struck me because at that time I wasn't very comfortable with myself. And so I felt like, oh, 
I want what they've got. <laughs> and over time, I've seen different dimensions of that unfold. And I think metta is a lot of it, actually. Being really comfortable with how we are and what's arising in our heart and this inner creation of inner safety can help that to start to f- flow and flower. So this is inner metta for all of the creatures and beings that we have inside of our own heart, which are really not that different from all the beings outside of us, right? So I made the statement earlier that as a kind of a provocative suggestion, I'm not saying this is this is like an absolute truth, but that the the way to get to boundless metta externally was to go internally. And so my sense is that if you go inward far enough, you, the whole universe is, is there, actually. Because, um, yeah, because it's, it's all there. <laughs> and I don't know that we get there only regarding the universe external to us. I think it's harder because... Um, It's hard to see all of it, frankly. It's a big universe, right? But inside, it's like it's all accessible, and it's just as big, maybe bigger. There was actually one of my favorite suttas. It's about a powerful being named Rohitasa, who was so powerful that he could stride through the galaxies, and he was some kind of god. And he, he wanted to see the whole universe. He thought he could get to the end of the universe, and that would really be... It, you know, then I could say that I've seen everything, done everything, I'd be free and happy. And he tried to do that. And even though he could walk spanning the galaxies, he walked his whole life and died in the process. Um, and when he died, he, and he never got there. He said to the Buddha, I tried so hard, I tried to see the whole universe. And the Buddha said, well, let me tell you, Rohitasa, I'm paraphrasing, of course. <laughs> he said, the whole universe... Um, is inside of this fathom-long body, you know, this body that we have. And he said, the whole universe, the origin of the universe, the cessation of the universe, and the path leading to the cessation. And we could substitute suffering or stress or whatever it is that we're working on. Um, you know, it's all found inside of us. And when we, kind of when we work on it there, it can't help but radiate outward also. So I think maybe an image, you know, is that we go down through the heart and then back out. (laughs) That's the path, not just out. We spend too much time going out. So that leads toward the third dimension of metta, which is to include everything, you know, to really include the whole universe, the inner, the outer, um, in a way of being that is about goodwill, about opening, uh, about having that strength of heart that allows us to choose in each moment that we're going to have some kind of friendliness. Actually, that strength gives us the strength to have the proper conventional interpersonal boundaries that are needed without having any boundaries in our heart. We start to see the difference so I have a lovely quote from Ajahn Suchito in his book Parami. When we make the resolution of kindness, not just toward kittens on a nice day, but even toward cockroaches on a bad day, when we include dictators and brutal maniacs, as well as all aspects of ourselves, then we're making metta into a perfection 
a vast and transfiguring way of life. The result is a mind that is grounded in wisdom and compassion and which easily opens to the peace of Nibbana, meaning the peace of complete freedom. So I like that he doesn't say exactly what that looks like. Vast and transfiguring could be many things. We have a sense of it emotionally. Um, I've come to think, though, that this kind of openness can look different for different people. And so we don't need to have an image in our mind of if I were the perfectly, you know, boundlessly open person, I would look like X, and then we try to look like X. But actually it's just a vast way of being, and who knows what that would look like. So are you guys, um, you know, metas about connecting and reducing boundaries, are you open to doing a little small group discussion, like in groups of three? Yeah, it just seems so important tonight when we're in a situation of closing, maybe, and concern. It'd be so nice to talk with a few other people. So I was hoping groups of three would work. If not, we can have a group of four. So if you could arrange yourselves, then I'll give you the question. It'll just be a short thing. You can just pick people near you. Can we count? Okay. (laughs) Everybody wants to be with everyone else. Well, we can make... um, Yeah. Okay, great. This is perfect. So, um, what we'll do, the way we'll respond to this question is that each person will have, um, let's say, two minutes. Oh, We need another chair. Okay, there we go. Each person will have uh, about about two minutes, I would say, um, to respond. And I'll ring the bell in between so you don't have to keep track of it. And so here's the question. We get a chance to um, practice. We're going to practice some of what we talked about tonight because I'm going to ask you to talk about your own good qualities and so you have to be able to recognize and appreciate them. And so the question is, what are some of the significant conditions within you that can contribute to love, respect, and concord with others? So the person with the shortest hair will start. <laughs> <laughs> So go ahead and start. Yeah. What are some of the conditions within you that contribute to love, respect, and concord? Do we should we pause this? Just pause. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. So we're back. Um, so are there? I didn't get to hear all of your lovely conversations. So I wonder if anybody would like to share anything, or did they hear something that was inspiring? Um, 
And I'll also open it up if there were any questions about the talk. So any and all of that is is welcome. Right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Reminding us to... Well, there's a saying, uh, what we appreciate, appreciates. And so just any... And another thing my teacher says is, no moment of mindfulness is wasted. And I think probably no moment of metta is wasted either. Like they all count. Yeah. I think in the human condition we try to avoid Yeah. Um, we try to avoid like difficulty, hardship, suffering. But in my group it's okay to say it seemed like it, it gave all of us a more rich uh, understanding of ourselves and more compassion for other people. That's beautiful. I and mean, you're you're highlighting the the very nature of Buddhist practice, which is to turn toward what's difficult. It's our usual feeling is that we don't want the parts that are not so easy, but we find sort of counterintuitively that if we turn toward them and we have the right tools for doing that, a path appears (laughs) through whatever difficulty there is toward the release of that or toward the development of compassion. Um, And actually what, what you guys did of talking about some of your good qualities that actually starts to build that strength of heart that allows you to open to things that are maybe a little more challenging. Yeah, thank you. I think that was in hindsight, though. You think that was in hindsight? It doesn't matter. Uh-huh, well, you know. I just want to say a couple things. First, when you said we're going to all go into small groups, I thought, Okay, so we're, maybe we're not going to talk about our political views, but it's going to have something to do with, for me, aversion <laughs> this week. Um, so, so I thought I was, you know, something outward, even though you were talking about going in, but I just expected that's what you were going to do. And then when you, when you gave us the assignment, um, I had trouble. You know, it's hard for me to think about my good qualities and talk about them. So that was hard, but... But I was able to do that. But the other thing that really struck me is, I mean, I don't know either Rebecca or Steve. I, well, I've, I think I've seen you, but I've, I'm not, you know, we never don't know each other. And how incredibly close I felt to them in this little exercise. Mm-hmm. Felt like this attunement and this, you know, empathy. And felt I felt meta toward them. And it was, it was really, really beautiful. It was very, very special. So. Great. Yeah, that's, that's the experience. It's really a lot about feelings. So it's all anger, close closeness, um, openness, and then mindful, kindness, 
because I think anything you just take an approach and close it, you never know that you don't give it a chance and you just get into more anger and anger and angry. And, uh, but if you leave it open, you might find out in the end it is really, you put a little bit of love and kindness and attention to it, the whole thing can be changed. And I think the whole thing is, she's very right to say that before we do anything or approach anybody is to think how other people feel. And once you, 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 you think about that, even though you don't like the person, you try to always change your attitude a little bit from anger and, and maybe you discover, oh, she's after all very, that I can have all the love and kindness and everything. So this is openness, I think, a difference between openness and close. Say like also in, yeah. in a negotiation, once you close it, you can never have anything done. But mm. if you leave a little open gap, maybe you can close a deal or even um, get it successful. So I think all these are so closely netted together that uh, like in the salad, can't figure it out, I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Very well said. Well, actually, for the last few weeks, I, you know, I try to do the meditation every day and the metta practice. And so that's, I used to get stuck with the particular political candidate. I just couldn't get myself to have this metta. So then I realized I'm doing something wrong because I must not be doing this whole thing right because you have to be able to have metta towards everybody. Ah. <laughs> so this is something that we can um, I'm just reacting to the phrase have to um, do you hear that? that it feels a little bit um, like pushing and like declaring that certain experiences you're having are not valid um, I mean we may have the aspiration to have metta toward everyone and we may imagine that if I were a Buddha, I would have metta toward everyone. But um, if we're not at this moment, then that's the reality. We're not. And can that be okay? Can we can we have metta toward that person? Does that make sense? You looked like you were going to go on, and that was that was like your introduction to what you were going to say. But I cut you off and <laughs> and changed it. So if you have more, yeah. Mostly, you know, how do I overcome this? But yeah. You, you address some of it. Yeah. Of it, so, so I have a lot to think about. Well, we just want to be careful about the process. Yeah. Thank you. So were you saying to have meta towards the part of you that's not having meta? Yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's also said, you know, can you, what is it like... Can you love yourself? And if someone says no, then you say, well, can you love yourself for not loving yourself? <laughs> and then you say no. And you, well, can you love yourself for not loving yourself? Right? Until you can say yes in some way. So, yeah. Could you run through the inner safety 
yeah, um, the the five inner safety. It's okay for anything to arise. It's okay for anything to cease. And then addressing to the shyer mind states, you will not be made to speak. You will not be dismissed or mocked. And you will not be made into something you're not. Mm-hmm. And to be completely um, receptive and accepting of, of that. That's, that's what is so for me right now. Yeah. It's just, it, it's completely the heart open <laughs> going in and it's going out at the same time. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Any other comments or questions? I wanted to offer a a poem then. This is called The Fountain. Don't say, don't say, there is no water to solace the dryness at our hearts. I have seen the fountain springing out of the rock wall and you drinking there. And I, too, before your eyes, found footholds and climbed to drink the cool water. The woman of that place, shading her eyes, frowned as she watched, but not because she grudged the water, only because she was waiting to see we drank our fill and were refreshed. Don't say, don't say, there is no water. That fountain is there among its scalloped green and gray stones. It is still there and always there with its quiet song and strange power to spring in us up and out through the rock. Thank you. Thank you Take care. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.